Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Roos Podcast. As always, I am Clark Spires, with my co-host Matthew Bart, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. All right, well, uh, we're back after a uh, short break, just for a little quick update pod. Wanted to uh, do a little post-signing day check-in um, and just sort of take a look at where the roster is. We're still a little ways out from spring practice, still uh, getting our first real look at the uh, the 2023 roster, but uh, just uh, kind of want to take a look at where things stand right now after uh, after the dust has settled on the uh, the pre spring window of of roster flux. It's uh, it's it's with where we are now in college football. There there are still I'm sure changes to come, but uh, it's it seems to be settled for right now. Yeah, it's an it's an annual adjustment, right? It feels like we uh, have have periods. We have our our December period, and then we'll have one more after spring practices. And then I'm just going to tell you right now, we're going to have like three guys show up on the roster in August that we've never heard of, because <laughs> that's just how it happens these days. And it was funny. We were kind of talking pre-show. There's actually been a good amount of stuff that's happened in like the past two weeks. Even though it's been, I mean, even though Rice only added three players officially announced by the school on National Signing Day. So a couple news and notes to get out first. First, I want to say thank you to two uh, booster level patrons that jumped in since we did our last pod, Bob Schlager and Chris Warren. Thank you guys for your support and a a plug now. Uh, If you want to jump in with Bob and Chris, also have... Uh, microcast come some short kind of snippet podcast on whatever is pressing at the time for for those guys on that level of patreon tier and if you just want to jump in on the regular ten dollar tier you're going to get roster insight on everything we're going to talk about in this pod the recruiting aspect of everybody who's coming in uh, we'll have spring practice notes it's all there so the patreon it's worth it it's 10 bucks a month what what is the the equivalent is always like a starbucks coffee right so don't i'm going <laughs> to tell you don't forgo forgo your coffee if if you need it but maybe you know stop by heb pick up the rice blend at heb instead yeah, of they, starbucks yeah just and uh, then also make subscribe. that coffee at home it's uh you you know you got the initial investment you want to grind your beans uh, get a nice pour over maker but then uh well, then you start spending money on really expensive coffee beans. So maybe it's not a net gain in the end. But uh, I'm, I'm going to get some Roost branded coffee making gear. If I had a pour go. over with the little eyes, I'd do that. Yeah, really, really get into merchandising here. Next off season investment. We'll get there. But uh, thank you to those who uh, are supporting. Always a pleasure. It helps fund this. And we get to have fun doing it, which is a plus. And y'all get some information. That's one. The second piece is we have a staffing change on the Rice football side. Corners coach Gerard Wilcher, who actually was looking through the list, is one of only a handful of uh, assistant coaches that was one of the originals hired by Bloomgren when he started his staff in 2018. Uh, He has taken a job as the head coach of Morehouse which he as an alum, I think that was officially announced this week. So he will be missed. I think, man, from where the corner room started and where it ended. I know we don't like, it's hard to kind of terse out how much credit or blame to give to an assistant coach that you might not see. But man, if you look at the the trajectory of that room, uh, he was one that I, I feel like uh, definitely earned his paycheck and he will be missed. So Rice will have, one spot to fill, I guess, before spring practices, which are coming up. And I think I'm looking through. I think that's our only other, you know, newsy, newsy notes will jump into the early sign. Well, I have early signing period, national signing day, whatever you the, call um, the period where players announce in February. Yeah, you might as well just call it uh, the 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 late signing day or the, uh, the Ooh, secondary. That's better. <laughs> yeah, National Signing Day happens in December, and this is the late signing period in February. Yeah, because uh, it, it just doesn't uh, – it's funny. I remember when they, they announced the early signing period. I think the thought was a lot of, like, 
okay, well, you know, guys who are really locked in uh, will sign early, but then everybody else will wait and do it like usual. And especially like the top recruits, like they have all the leverage, so they'll wait until the end. And that's just not, not how it happened at all. Yeah, and as if you need any further indication, if you just go to the news tab on the official Rice football team page on the RiceIsles.com website, uh, last two articles – uh, December, Owls signed 24 in the early signing period. And then February 1st, Owls add three to the 2023 recruiting class. So what's that ratio? 24 of 27 in December? Yeah. Uh, Eight-ninths of the, of, the, of the signing class uh, in, in the early one. So, yeah. I don't think everyone, so, everyone gets the uh, national signing day title anymore. Yeah, we don't we don't have a ton to add, but I think it's notable uh, three names that Rice officially announced one that they haven't yet that kind of want to go through just to kind of round us out. The most important name that Rice did announce is Lavelle Dumont. He is a transfer from Toledo where he made 10 career starts on the offensive line, uh, can play inside at guard, can play outside at tackle. Uh, this will r- bring him in with an offensive lineman that they got from Nebraska, Brent Banks, who they announced in the early signing period. So this, these are two uh, transfer guys with multiple years of starting experience at multiple positions along the offensive line. We said they need to figure this out this offseason, bringing in two guys that, you know, you never know with transfers, but these are both guys that have legitimate playing experience um, at bigger programs. Well, I guess well, Toledo, I'll say that at least comparable with Rice, but this is not taking a shot at a dark at a guy who hasn't played and we just hope he's good because he had good film four years ago. So good that they got those in. The other two that they officially announced are a punter, punter kicker, Reese Keeney, and a uh, deep snapper, long snapper, Wyatt Freeman. Uh, you need specialists because you only ever notice them when they run out and you can't kick field goals like that happened to Rice that one time two years ago. So good additions there. The only one other one I wanted to announce who wasn't officially announced by the university yet. He's still finishing up his last quarter at UCLA is a wide receiver from UCLA who's going to be coming over, Matt Sykes, who former blue chip guy out of Hawaii and funny enough was recruited uh, by to, to we work in that uh to we work in that Polynesian connection. Yeah, well yeah, there's one, there's that, but also his lead recruiter when Tui was at Cal was was Tui. So Tui recruited him to Cal, <laughs> ended up at UCLA, and now he's coming back, had that pre-existing relationship with Tui, and now he's coming to Rice uh, fast, tall, long, uh, a guy that they can plug and play, which is pretty exciting. They've had a I'm pretty good track to, record to with transfer wide receivers. Yeah, uh, they've, they've turned out pretty well lately. Um, I am starting to worry that we'll, we're about to get to a point where uh, Rice's coaching staff will uh, all have been here, for the most part, been here long enough that they don't have uh, guys they recruited to other schools to recruit as transfers. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's, so it's, it's interesting enough. I was talking to a personnel guy at another school, I think it was probably probably around November, December. Uh, I'm trying to get my timeline straight. And I said, hey, so just ballpark, what percentage of of the class that y'all are bringing in this year uh, did someone or did had an existing a pre-existing relationship with someone on your staff? And he said, everybody with two guys. And so I, it's funny, we think, and this is a for a different podcast, but we kind of assume that it's the Wild West, the portal, you can just kind of bring in whoever. But you would be surprised how many guys coming in from the transfer portal have a connection somehow to the current staff, uh, whether that is through a high school coach that knows somebody or, hey, they were coached by so-and-so. But yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm all for who, I mean, there's nobody left at Stanford from, like, do we have any <laughs> six-year players that Rice can can mine from when Bloom was there? 
I I'm mean, I'm trying to do math yeah, in my head. There might be there might be one or two. You know, there's always going to be a uh, a Stetson Bennett or uh, a Javon hey, Holford or Daniels. two out there. Yeah. <laughs> Although this so it doesn't even have to have a what? school connection. Um. Okay, this will be six seasons, I guess, for Daniels. So that is a lot. It is six, right? Wasn't he? A, he was freshman at USC in 2018. Yes. Oh, wait, no. Didn't he? He reclassified from 18 to 17. No, he reclassified from 19 to 18. Yeah. So he is. He is the age of a typical fifth-year senior. Uh, so that's not that wild. But he is all. But he is. I guess this is his sixth year. Yeah, he's just listed as graduate student on the Rice roster. Yeah. I, I think they've stopped counting <laughs> at that point. Yeah, because yeah, two at USC, two at Georgia, West Virginia, and now Rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we got a, a full haul. They will probably, they, Rice, will probably, you know, you see how spring practice goes. You probably are going to be looking at maybe one or two guys uh, additionally that you can kind of bring in based on how that goes. I think when we were kind of talking beforehand, uh, as far as notable departures during the off season, you had Treshawn Chamberlain and Aiden Siano, Isaac Klarkowski. They announced in December that they were transferring. Isaac's actually going back to Wisconsin to wrestle. I don't know if we had any wrestling defect, uh, defections yet <laughs> under Bloom, but now we have one. He actually decided to walk on at Rice over a wrestling scholarship. So maybe now that he's done football. Full circle, back yeah. To, yeah, back to slamming people on the ground with no helmets. A similar sport, I guess. Uh, so those guys, and then the only other person from, uh, I guess, the roster as it exists right now. Uh, well, a couple notables. I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast yet. Wiley Green has decided to medically retire. Um, I don't think that comes as too much of a surprise but he will be sticking around and, and finishing his degree so he'll be around so having the brain of wiley green without sacrificing his body i think is a win and then also kirk lockhart miles mccarley mendez to name a couple guys who won't be coming back for the 2023 season but if you will notice kind of when i ran through there uh there were no like surefire 2023 starters on that list and maybe only one or two guys that would have been a key rotational piece. Yeah. Um, considered. Which like, yeah, it's, it's, it's having that relatively small amount of turnover is always a positive thing. Um, and not to get too far into the speculation here. And again, things can always change after spring, but um, Wiley's medical retirement being the only uh, defection from the quarterback room with, with Daniels coming in uh, pleasant surprise to me. Uh, so that has to uh, make you feel even more solid about the quarterback position right now, uh, which most important position on the field so uh yeah we're weirdly with how the season ended we're uh we're, we're kind of in the in in some optimistic vibes right now yeah and to, to tie a bow i guess on the the last what, three four weeks year of roster building that Rios has gotten to at this point with the 2023 recruiting class officially uh, the highest rated signed signed class that Rice has ever had. That is the third time in the past uh, four years that that has been true. And the, and the fourth time in the last five years that that has been true. Uh, Rice is uh, under Mike Bloomgren. The 23, 22, 21, and 20 classes are all top five in school history. The 2023 class has three of the 10 highest rated players Rice has ever signed. Uh, I mean, the one thing that they've never had a problem doing is getting talent to campus. Uh, they have it on campus. They had the number 80 class in the country in the composite rankings. 
And if you look back as recently as like 2018, 2019, beyond, it's been a sub 100 class. So, I mean, check about all the boxes that you could ask. You've got your quarterback and JT Daniels. You have impact guys coming in from transfer portal. And you have, I think, eight offensive linemen. So they're going to figure this out up front. I mean, (laughs) all the accolades check out. It, It was a good a good haul, a good group. And, you know, obviously we'll see what happens. We, we, we laugh now about, Oh yeah, yeah. The wide receiver room is so deep. And then everybody gets hurt. We'll, we'll, we'll get <sighs> to play hindsight bias, but, but right now it, things look pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you don't become a good football team just by bringing in better talent than you have in the past, but uh, it certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, it certainly lays a foundation. It certainly, uh, you want to see that rec- kind of recruiting momentum as Rice enters a new, uh, tougher league with more talented teams in it. So, uh, yeah, we have gotten excited about recruiting classes with the staff before, and the results haven't always been there. But uh, that doesn't mean you want the recruiting to get worse, and that doesn't mean it getting continuing to get better is not a positive sign. So. Uh, I understand if there are those few out there that are like, okay, yes, we've heard this before, but hey, it's still better than before. <laughs> and it, uh, again, you like, what, do you want to sign worse classes? Do you think that's going to make it better? It's not. So we don't need to test that either. We can just take <laughs> take our word for it that having yeah. less talent on your roster would not be good. Hi, yeah, yeah. That's a different podcast. We got a couple of those. We got a long off season and uh, I'll run through kind of real quick. So by by kind of some highlights from the class, just kind of pull it all together Uh, Four defensive linemen, uh, two transfers coming in that enrolled early Two linebackers included Ty Morris, who is, uh, I believe, uh, fourth highest rated signee in program history. You got two corners, one of them on campus early. You got a safety. A couple specialists just from this class. Most recently, you got two quarterbacks, JT Daniel and Chase Jenkins, both of which who were on campus early and rolling classes now. Uh, Four wide receivers, counting Matt Sykes from UCLA. Uh, You got one running back, three tight ends and a partridge and a pear tree. Wait, uh, sorry, that was eight offensive linemen. So eight partridges and one very, very large tree. (laughs) So pretty, pretty full class. And as I was kind of, we talked through a bunch of these guys in December, right? Like we said, there was only three new additions. So kind of when we were thinking about what would make the most sense to kind of talk about this class and where things are, uh, I thought it kind of made the most sense to kind of pull these together with what the roster looks like now going into spring ball and kind of, I guess, rank these positions by on the roster by at the most concerning to the most confident. And I thought it was interesting kind of putting these pieces together, uh, just trying to figure out, I'm like, okay, here are my question marks. Here are the pieces that were added. Now, how, how much, you know, put my money where my mouth is, how much more confident do I feel or am I still, <laughs> still uncertain? So it was hard kind of going through this exercise and I'm going to pull up my list right now. But was there, was there any position group that you felt just, Oh yeah, well, this one's definitely on top or this one I need to see a lot more or which direction should we start with? How about that? Um, you know what? Let's build it. Let's, let's start at the bottom. Uh, which position group are you, uh, most, uh don't know how this is gonna go about it's running back and yeah yeah i think this was actually my my easiest and it's not because they don't have talented guys in the room i i want to clarify that piece um because just looking at the roster uh as it is right now uh, you're going to have Ari Broussard back. You're going to have Dean Connors back. 
uh, just just as what's on the roster right now. Quentin Jackson, who had that breakout game in the bowl game, he's going to be there. And you're going to have Juma currently still listed on the roster. And I'm going to bang the drum from Christian Francisco until he becomes a stud. But dark horse guy back there. So there's guys in the room that you're like, okay, I feel pretty good about it when they get the ball. But I can't rationalize the fact that even as I'm saying that, I just, I don't know how good I feel about the running game until I can see it happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, like, uh, I I feel the same way. There there are guys that I feel good about, um, and, uh, you know, we beat the drum all season for increased touches for Juma, and it seemed like it worked when they got him more touches. Uh, But until we see a level of consistency from, it doesn't even necessarily have to be one guy being the bell cow but like a level of consistency from the running game as a whole um and it's not a situation where even as they've had issues with the offensive line in the past it's not a situation where you you're you've been watching guys and it's like oh the the backs are great they just you know they're not getting the blocking they're not getting the help like it's just they're they're constantly swarmed by bodies um like the running game as a whole needs to get better, you know, regardless of how big a feature of the offense it is with re- relative to philosophy. But until you see that kind of consistency from it, it's hard to have a whole lot of confidence in the in the position. And I just kind of want to see, and this is kind of hard because there there were injuries that kind of affected this, but I kind of, I just want to feel like I can see a plan as right. far as, who's out there and what's going on. And I don't know if I really got that last year and it was hard because you had Ari go down and you had Cam get hurt and it, it, you just did the best with what you could. But I, it, it wasn't, it wasn't quite like, okay, this guy's their third down back. You know, maybe by the end of the year, I was like, okay, I kind of feel like I know what's going to happen. But even then I was like, okay, Uriah West like appeared out of nowhere in game 10 and became the short yardage guy. Uh, and again, like that's an injury situation with Ari, but like I still like I feel like even with a bunch of those guys still in the room, I, I, they got to figure it out. But I, I feel like it's one of those things that they this this group has didn't really have the answers last year. It's the same pieces. You're returning the same guys, so it should be better. But there's there's not one new I'm like we get like quarterback we can point to. Oh, JT Daniels is here. So we have one like. We can put it on the new guy, but there's there's no there's new no new new guy. So I don't know. We'll see. I I need I put this as I need to see more. That was in my bucket. And I had I had one more position in this tier. I think as I was kind of breaking these together, uh, and that was safety with a question mark. If for no other reason than, okay, you have a longtime starting Viper, Treshawn Chamberlain, who's not going to be here next year. George Nyakwal is not going to be here next year. And then we were kind of running through, you know, the different pieces. And you have another kind of key depth piece, Kirk Lockhart, who's not going to be here next year. And there weren't really any... Uh, you know, big time transfer additions at the safety position. So I, I really, really like Gabe Taylor. I think he's a stud. Uh, I They have a lot of guys on the roster that have kind of flashed promise. But at some point, they're going to have to be the guy. And it's kind of one of those things I need to kind of see it first. You know, does one of the, does Marcus Williams kind of step up and, and become a guy uh, Davian Hook played some at times last year. Does he step up? Will we finally get a a healthy DJ Arkansas to kind of move in and play Viper? He could be an answer. Play Wyatt? I, I don't know. So uh, this is kind of, I feel like it's very similar to running back as far as there's a couple guys that have talent and that are known quantities, but we're just going to be have to put it, we still need to put the pieces together to figure out what this position is going to look like. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and particularly the, like, they have had a lot of guys play at these positions over the last several seasons. And generally a lot of them have acquitted themselves well. Um, but we talked about plenty last season, the difference when George Nyqual was available as much as anything. And, you know, obviously for John Chamberlain's experience speaks for itself and he was an impact player uh, 
for the last several years. Um, but the difference in having George out there, particularly from both from an experience standpoint and from just positionally him being that center fielder, the guy who kind of cleans everything up, it's you're kind of losing the adult in the room. And I don't just mean that from an ex from a, like an age standpoint, but like the guy who kind of took care of everything and made sure it was working and was the the last line of defense and and uh, that makes a safe that makes a secondary go. Um, so you well, it's that. a really good point because you're talking about he was in his sixth year, I believe, last season. Mm -hmm. George was even missing some time, but you got to remember Gabe Taylor didn't play football until his senior year of high school. So, right. and then you had the pandemic year. So he's a junior, but he has a year and change of starting experience. And that's not to say that Gabe Taylor can't just go out and be a dude. Cause we've seen him be a dude, but that's a whole nother level of leadership and being the guy who's coordinating things. And that's a, that's a big step up. Right. And it, it's not like as much as with the Viper position and needing a guy to play there. And even if Gabe is healthy the whole season and fantastic and something, you're, you're still basically filling two out of three roles in a three man unit. And there's no. You've lost a significant amount of experience, both off the top and from the depth standpoint. So. I think they've got guys there they really like, and I, I think. It could be a really strong position. Uh, there, there is certainly the talent and the potential there. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I might say that, like there's as much variability with what they could get out of this position in 2023 as, as any any position on the field. Um, but I think this is the right place to have them because even if we take Gabe as a total known here as an impact player, and I, I think that's a, that's a reasonable sort of place to start from if, if you're looking at it, at it from an optimistic perspective there's still just a lot of unknown with where where you're going at the other two spots yeah like i don't even know if i could tell you who the other two starters would be like who's your starting viper play yeah, i guess yeah. <laughs> like, Maybe, like i don't know that, i think if, that's if the tyson safe assumption but who starting, knows if tyson flowers is starting at viper in late october am i going to be shocked which, you know, he's a really good player. <laughs> like, but typically you aren't projecting many freshmen to come in and win jobs in the second month of the season if you kind of know, already know what you have. And I think and a bunch of those guys have missed time. So we'll see. It's one of those that I, I, I can see the pieces to it being a, a good, strong unit. That's not an issue. But I can also see us circling through and trying to find the right guys and, and it taking time to do that, which we would not prefer. Uh, so those two, I kind of grouped those at the bottom where I was kind of like, these are the two that, and I was kind of thinking through spring, like these are the two groups that I mean, like, man, I need to see something. Uh, anybody else that you kind of had down at the needs improvement grade of our, our confidence level? Uh, I don't think so. Um some that you might like to see, like I would love to see continued improvement on the offensive line and, and interior defensive line, but um, not not Let's any go. not anything else with anywhere near as as much of a question as those two positions. Let's go O line because that I had safety and running back in my I need to see more bucket. Uh, I just can't labeled this one hopeful question mark it, they're not quite where like i don't know where the answers are going to come from i kind of know where like especially on the offensive line we know the pieces and what they have i don't know how they're going to come together and whether or not it's going to work so i i, I kind of feel like especially they brought in two grad transfers you got two starters coming back both tackles coming back which is huge and you have a a sophomore redshirt sophomore class that now has played you look guys like Trey Philippi who have played a lot of football that you can kind of be able to put in and play. Uh, you know, if Trey Philippi goes and plays in the starting guard next year for the length of the season, I still feel pretty good about that. That there's enough options there that I feel like they're going to find somebody. So it's kind of a tier above 
but also you five years in it has to be good that that's <laughs> i don't it just, right with with as with as much experience as they have brought back and are bringing back this year both in terms of transfer guys and guys that have played a lot like it probably should have been better than it was last year and it it definitely needs to be better this year um because there's just because at, at this point like what if this is not a really really uh, i don't know they don't like they don't have to be physically dominant but it it needs to be a team that you're seeing consistently play sound assignments and playing together like that's that's i think more than half of the trick at offensive line is is the the kind of for five minds to act as one um and i don't know what what are you missing at this point if that doesn't happen this year um so i I, i'm not like I don't think there's as much uncertainty as either safety or running back. And I don't think it, it's certainly not I, I, a position I'm worried about being like a disaster. Uh, barring a lot of injuries, but it's it's definitely somewhere where you'd like to see. Like. Significant, like significant, noticeable. improvement. Yeah, with and the best line that Bloomgren has had at Rice was it would have been the, the 2019 season when they brought in those three transfers, uh, including a guy with Nick Leverett, who's now playing and starting in the NFL. So having an NFL offensive lineman, that helps. I'm not going to guarantee that there's any offensive lineman <laughs> yeah. going into the NFL on this team. Who knows? But we've seen that strategy work, going and get guys that you know are good. And so if you tell me that this was a legitimately – upper tier offensive line in the conference. This was a good offensive line to a very good offensive line this year. I could believe it, especially if those two guys, those plug and play guys. And I, I like the tackles they're bringing back, especially Ethan in his second year, not his first. There's a, there's a formula there where that's, this is a really good offensive line. And, and if it doesn't work, I think you get more of the same from this year, which the offensive line this year, I don't know if I would ever have said it was bad, they had some bad games for sure, but it never felt like, you know, it just, the offensive line was so bad that they couldn't win. <laughs> like it, it, the, the offensive line wasn't at fault. Uh, maybe it was for some of the injuries on their quarterbacks. So like we need to protect some guys better, yeah. but, but I think I like your, the upside's a little bit higher. At least that's, that's, that's my hope. And one, any other that kind of you had in this group? Because I had one more in my, I called it my hopeful bucket. Um, I might go tight end here just because I think you have one guy in Jack Bradley who you have a whole lot of confidence in and a whole lot of uh, shrug emoji after that, just in terms of it's, it's kind of a mystery box as to what you're going to get. And you'd like to have more bodies at that position. Um, I don't know if that's the same group you were thinking of, but for me, just the interesting. The, it, it's not a position you need a lot of different guys at. Like you, you're not generally playing more than two tight. Like even 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 when this offense plays more than two tight ends, a lot of times that third tight end is a backup offensive lineman instead. Um, but I just so think that's that, I think there's some, some uncertainty there outside of Jack. So I'm I'm actually I'm in on tight ends. I will we'll jump up and I'm gonna maybe we meet in the middle. I have them in my like stud category. I okay. am I'm psyched for the tight ends this year for a, a couple reasons. One, Jack Bradley is really good at football, and I knew that. Uh, I think that I think we're going to see this a little bit in the spring, but I think Bowden Groen is quietly going to be one of the most trusted pieces of this offense. And I think it it, kind of went under the radar last year, but him 
when he got knocked out and had to sit out for a little bit and then was able to come back, his utilization in the offense, especially down the stretch, kept coming up and up and up. And so I felt they felt comfortable at the end of the year playing him over Jack in some situations, playing him with Jack. And we saw that actually in the bowl game when Jack went out, Bowden came in and, and became the guy and, and produced uh, pretty well uh, on the run game and through the air. So I, if those were the two guys, I I think I'd be okay. I think I'd be in the pretty good bucket. But the guys that they brought in, uh, Ethan Powell from Southwestern University, D3, but you're talking about looking at a guy who had almost 900 yards last year and, and five touchdowns uh, in D3. But And then Matt Hall coming in has been a 400-yard, four or five touchdown a year guy for the past couple years um, at Truman state again, not D one level. I understand, but for what this offense needs, I think you finally have a guy that can play every role. And I don't think this offense, especially with the other options at quarterback and wide receiver, I don't think you need like three all-star tight ends. I think you can have Jack and three guys that are pretty good at their job and it can work really well. And I think they have those guys. Okay, I'll 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 take that. Uh, you've 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 successfully upgraded my confidence a bit here. Um, maybe maybe you can talk me up on my next group that I have at the lower towards the bottom. Uh, I had linebackers here. Is that crazy? Didn't seem like they were at the the top of your mind. No, um, I do think getting Chris Conti back because uh, I thought he at least at times last year, uh, the, the fact that he came in and nailed down that job right from the beginning and uh, was a consistent kind of reliable presence there all year. Um, and then Byron Morrison's back. It's, it's a position where you do, like, you lost some depth pieces, uh, but you're generally not playing a lot of inside linebackers in this offense. A lot of times they're you're, it's either two or one at any given time, and they don't tend to rotate a ton. So absent injuries, knock on wood, you don't need a lot of those guys. Um, so you're just bringing back a lot of experience, I think, um, which gives me it, it's not a group that I think is a high upside group. Um, so I guess in that sense, you can make an argument that maybe even from my perspective, you ought to like the upside was certainly higher with the tight end. So maybe, maybe I should have flip-flopped them in my head, but uh, I I don't think the linebackers are likely to be like a disaster unit, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's fair. My, my concern, I guess, with the linebacking core and uh, Chris Conte went ahead. I gave him my defensive newcomer of the year. It for Rice in my kind of offseason superlative. So I thought, man, he stepped in and he did a really good job. My my kind of question is in when Blaze Aldridge and Antonio Montero were somewhere in the middle of the field, I think the, the one thing that both of those players excelled at was their range. I thought their ability to get sideline to sideline and cover everything over the middle of the field was just, man, I took it for granted because that's a part where I think uh, Myron and Chris both do a pretty good job. They're pretty good tacklers. They can make plays in the backfield. Uh, I like it when they get their head on, or their not their head, their shoulder pad on somebody and they can drive them. But I think the range is not there where it was. And maybe, you know, a more experience in the system and the scheme and being the guys for another year Maybe they get a bit more range, but that's kind of my question mark with that position. I, I like I said, I don't. I think it's going to be fine, but I think I don't know if it right now is going to be a position that wins football games. And I think in the past, be, having a guy that can get sideline to sideline and make that outside run be a three yard gain instead of a ten yard gain, I think that's kind of what this defense was missing at times last year, and I, I need to see it. So. I'm not going to put them down at the the lower level because they produced and they were good. And so I don't think this unit is going to be a problem. I just I I want to see if it can be 
a game changer. And I don't I don't know if it's there. I think we've been permanently spoiled by Blaze in this respect. So spoiled. Just find <laughs> the Juco guy that becomes an all-conference player. Just yeah, easy, right? It's, it's simple. Let's see. So running back, safety, linebacker, O-line. Uh, I think we put tight end somewhere in the middle if we're splitting the difference between us. I think at this point, maybe tight end is the middle point here for us. I think that's kind of yeah. where I switch from. I have more questions than answers or at least as many questions as answers to the rest of this list. I feel pretty good to really good about. Uh, so who's your your first cut above the tight end line? Ooh, let's see. Who do we have left? We have quarterback. We have wide receiver. We have defensive line and corner. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're including we're including edge and defensive line. Okay. If then, if you want to split them, that's fine. Uh, it's for the sake of brevity. It's um, more work. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd go corner next. Um, Me too. That's I how think I that's, had it ranked. Yeah, I think that's a high upside group. I think that's one where we're, we we talked plenty about how we're starting to see more and more of the physical archetype at that position, um, which is great. There have still been too many big gains, too many one-on-one matchups lost um, from the guys that you have for me to like be like, oh, yeah, this is a lockdown group. Um, and that's, you know getting elite elite corners who can lock down guys at at kind of the level that rice is at in terms of the college football pecking order is is maybe the hardest thing to do like that that that's an area where the talent is uh hard to come by so i don't know maybe my standards are too high here but like i have really i'm really confident in this group to get done what they need to get done, but it's not at the same, it's not at the level of like, oh yeah, the the corners here are like no fly zone. Yeah, I think, I think they have one. I think Jordan Dunbar has established himself as a, a no fly zone guy. And <laughs> I think we saw that last year when, I mean, it, it, it literally the second half of the season, Opposing offenses, their game plan, like, let's throw the ball at Sean Frush. That was the plan. Let's not throw it at Jordan Dunbar. And, I mean, for one, Sean Frush is 5'8", listed officially on the roster. <laughs> and and Jordan's listed officially at six foot. So that's a four-inch difference for one. And that's part of it. And I think Sean Frush, his athleticism, his speed make, helps him do a couple – play really well but he can play really good defense and he's still 5'8 and that's just that's part of the challenge and so how does Rice kind of address that they didn't really bring anybody else in and by they didn't really bring they didn't bring anybody else in so it's the same guys in the room Uh, I think that you have to either find an answer there or kind of think about how you're scheming up the defense honestly and I mean I know they've kind of been Let's put two guys on the island to make it work, uh, especially if we have questions at safety. That was kind of one of the groups we weren't sure about. That's kind right. of the the question I have at corner, where I think, like, I think if you have Sean Fresh and you have uh, Jordan Dunbar and they're your corners for the whole year, I think you have a good unit. Uh, I think it can get beat. I think it can also make big plays. So there's some variance there. And I think that's OK at corner because that's kind of right. the nature of the position. Oh, absolutely. If you have yeah. variance at safety, you're giving up 80-yard touchdowns. And look, like, build in another year of development. Um, and here's hoping the next cornerback's coach is as, as good at his job as uh, Wilcher seems to be. Um, but make in another year of development. And if if that version of Sean Fresh is your is your second corner uh, in this in the AAC, like, I think you're in a pretty good spot. Like, this is not a... Yeah, I'm still uh, a Sean Frush fan. Yeah, and th- this is not a... Uh, we're not expecting... Oh, God, I'm trying to remember the name of Cincinnati's other corner that was not Sauce Gardner. Don't they have, like, three? Isn't isn't Kobe Bryant on a team, too? Yeah, that, that's what... God, is his name really Kobe? It's, it's like K-O-B-Y, right? But yeah, not... Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, you're, you're not expecting that. Uh, uh, <laughs> Jordan is not sauce. And God, what a great like name that is. Just what an incredible football name, player name, sauce guard for a corner, especially. I just, I had to take a moment to appreciate that. Um, Write that down for your kids. Sauce, <laughs> honey, how does sauce sound? <laughs> but, uh, if 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 this version that we expect to see of Sean is your second best corner, then then that puts the outside in a really great shape. We'll see where they are on the inside, like you said, but um, I don't have question marks. I don't, I don't have serious concerns about this group at all. Nope, I feel pretty good. Uh, next one up uh, for me, I'm slotting in quarterback here. And yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think that kind of I'm I'm couching it because I feel like the downside here is if four guys get hurt again. <laughs> uh. Which I don't remember what I was listening to. Oh, it was it was a, a, a I think it was the athletic podcast and they were recapping the NFC championship game with the San Francisco 49ers. And they said something to the effect of like, well, if you get past like your second quarterback, it's just it's a lost season at that point anyways. And I just like, is it now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, going down, man, going right? down to South Maine, folks. Let's let's right? talk. So but when we talked a lot about JT Daniels on the last podcast, but I think he's gotten to Rice not because he kept getting benched for not playing well. He ended up getting here because he got hurt a couple times honestly and lost his job with injuries uh he still has all of the you know if you are going to drop your quarterback in the lab athletic traits and arm and ability to execute an offense he has all those things and you know when we were looking at mike collins coming into this offense and his experience from tcu he said man we said he did in a couple games but i think he kind of fits uh JT Daniels should be Mike Collins, but his track record is what did Mike have like three games of starting experience? Yeah. At TCU. Like this is and Mike's not track record times five or six. A passer as yeah. Daniels was it is his best. And the, the other the other thing that, that factors in here is that um even if it hasn't been this way at every stop and and who knows what it means to even be like I was just railing on Twitter today about the term pro style. Um, but the having played at USC pre uh, that was before they uh, brought in Graham Harrell as their offensive coordinator, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Well, I'm like, no, that, that was so long ago, but it was long ago when he was there. And then in at Georgia under Todd Munkin, who was running a very like modern spread NFL style offense, um, maybe a little less so at West Virginia. Neil Brown is is a uh, one of the like run heavy air raid as paradoxical as that sounds an air raid guy who who typically does a lot of sort of creative stuff on the ground um but even going back to jt was the starter at modern day before bryce young was and that as much as anywhere in the country is a high school offense where they put a lot on the quarterback like i don't know if daniels was like this but like bryce young called his own plays at the line in high school and obviously bryce is a whole different breed but like this is a that was a program where they have produced a prolific amount of quarterback talent and put a lot on those guys. So, and even as the rice offense is maybe, and I say this in a positive way, moving away from putting so much on the quarterback, but it still is a huge benefit to get a guy who is used to sort of shouldering that mental load um, and has done it in yeah. a variety of schemes at this point. Um, so even if the, I mean, like, you know, this is not five-star, all-world guy like you would kind of consider him coming out of high school, but it, this is still still a big deal. And the reality is, if you were to say Mike Collins, I th what he, he had, I think, was it uh, 10 touchdowns and two picks? 
before he got hurt. If if Mike Collins is the best quarterback that Bloomgren has had, I that there's literally no debate for that. That is a fact. Yeah. JT Daniels will be the second best. Period. And I and I because would like I don't know what the other option would be. Right. And and Collins had insane physical, like just a huge guy who could run and had a giant arm. I don't know if Daniels is quite that level, but he's also like, I don't know, when I watched Collins' TCU tape, like you could tell that like, I mean, like there's a reason he wasn't going to be TCU's guy going forward. Like he, he wasn't the most polished passer at TCU. Well, Max Duggan was there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Man, what a, what a tangled web this all is. Um, But I thought Collins was a better passer at Rice than I expected him to be. Um, And I would expect just in terms of all the things that go into the non, the non-physical stuff, even as much as it's aided by the physical tools that go into being a good passer, I would expect Daniels to be ahead of Collins in basically every area there. So, I'm just, we're we're both trying to be wear a seatbelt and not get sky high over a quarterback because <laughs> we've done that nine yeah. times. <laughs> since in the past couple years but i think that's reasonable to be where we are kind of guarded optimism we haven't seen it at rice but if you could draw up a scenario of who are you bringing in uh, this would be pretty close to exactly who like you'd want rice to bring in i mean within reason i think there was if you would have told people beforehand that rice was going to get jt daniels people would have not believed you uh, he's here so I feel pretty good about that. That leaves, if we're grouping interior and outside line play together on defense, that leaves two groups left. So uh, wide receiver or defensive line, uh, what what position are you the most confident in right now at the beginning of February? I think it's wide receiver. Um, Me too. I, like Luke McCaffrey's back. Brad Brosner, I guess, is also going to be back. Haven't heard anything else on that front, but uh, he's, I guess he is a, he is listed on the roster right now. So, uh, Brosner back, uh, Luke McCaffrey back, Trey Patterson back, um, guys that you saw make plays last year, like Kobe Campbell are back. I just, Unless they all get hurt again, which we see as a possible. <laughs> but that's why they got another another transfer guy. <laughs> yeah. Who's another, super talented. Like, another tall kind of like 6'4", 200 pounds. Another one. Um, so, yeah. I, 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 Anecdotally, I, I just kind of think he slides right into the Isaiah Esdale role. Yeah. Sykes. Yep. And that would. That would fit wonderfully. And then you still have said Patterson. You got to put him somewhere. Yep. So that's a top four that's really good. And then, I mean, yeah. I mean, Braylon Walker became a breakthrough star at the end of last season. Uh, Quentin Jackson is probably going to be playing some wide receiver. I don't know if he's a long-term. Maybe he's the new Cam Montgomery in the backfield that plays a couple places. There's just so many guys. And... They were fine last year after they lost half of the guys. So I, I, I have no, I don't know why I would have any concerns, especially with a healthy Luke McCaffrey who has now played more than zero career games <laughs> as a wide receiver. But he was setting all the world on fire at receiver last year, and he had never played the position in a college football game, or a high school football game, or pee wee. Yeah, just just not really a question there, um, which leaves defensive line. Uh, we've been going for a while now, so we won't talk at you too much longer. But um, they got good production here last year. We we saw the pass rush kind of finally start to produce with just the front. Um, Josh Piercy kind of became the guy that we all thought he would be. They had some some sort of unexpected contributors like Blake Banish. They can bring like Carroll back. Um, it feels like there's a there's just like a really 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 nice mixture of of depth 
and uh, depth and talent here that they maybe don't yeah. have at any other position. And I mean, Josh Pierce alone is is worth a. I feel pretty good about this position group. Period. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Josh Piercy is back to model uniforms and destroy defenses. I assume uh, you got two grad guys coming in. Well, I said grad uh, transfer. Uh, you got a Juco guy, Jordan Campbell and Coleman Coco coming in from Colgate. Coleman Coco. I'm going to mix up first names and last names on him a lot. Coco Coleman, Coleman Coco. Either way. There's a, uh, there's a, a mean girls reference in here that I'm still trying to work out the best <laughs> best way of best way of putting in or phrasing. So I'm going to save it until. Uh, yeah, you think uh, on it until and, he makes and, his and, debut. I think there's question marks because you got you're losing Akina and you're losing Trey Schumann and you're losing Quintet in the middle. And those are three guys that played a good amount last year. Um, but I think the guys that are there that played last year can step up and fill those roles. And now I don't think you need to find, this is easy for me to say, I don't think you need to find another Akina, another guy that will be in the NFL next year to be that guy. I think if you can slide a couple guys around, uh, you can get a little bit more from Blake Banish to Braylon Carroll. Uh, now gets in there every play. Isaiah Floyd, you get more snaps from them. I think in aggregate, they can kind of piece that together. And then I'm just going to, can I like put in forward notice for the fall now? Uh, remember the name Damone Green? Just <laughs> circle that <laughs> on your roster on sheet. I love it. Yeah, uh, because that dude is a stud. Remember, like the Blake Banish went from, oh yeah, he could be a play to like, this guy's a dude. That's Damone Green next, this year. I'm going to put that one out there now. Uh, and then Chibi Nwajiku off the side, off the edge. He can play a couple of places, but I think he might end up as like a true ed, uh, like defensive end maybe. And they got a couple guys there that I think are really good that didn't play last year because you had Akina and because you had Trey Schumann, not because they weren't good. And I think those guys are, are really good and really talented. And they've done the right thing at this position, which is... I, I mean, I mean, if you had to ask blindfold a college coach and you said build a roster, what are your three most important positions? It would probably be quarterback, defensive line, and corner. Does that sound fair? Pretty yeah, close. depending on your philosophy, like maybe maybe wide receiver, defensive uh, lines top three for everybody. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Clemson and they've just stockpiled. Clemson won national championships by having elite quarterbacks, elite receivers, and elite defensive linemen, and then like low That's four it. star, high three star <laughs> level talent at every other position. So I think the model is there. And they've just kept getting guys. There are so many guys at uh, on the line, and they will find somebody and they will get production. And I, I feel pretty good about that. Very good about that. I, I mean, the only the only downside from where they are to the wide receivers is they have less uh, Brad Rosner's and less Luke McCaffrey's. They only have right. here. Uh, I think is the proven studs. So if they had one right. more proven, proven stud coming back, maybe, you know, Blake Banish, fringy, maybe he could be there. So, yeah, but I mean, I feel really good. No, the qualms. difference between uh wide receiver and Davidson line here is just that aside from Esdale, uh wide receiver brings everybody back. Uh, and defensive line did lose some of that production. So I think that just keeps them a spot below, but it's still a really, the level of confidence in those positions is so high. Yeah, that's pretty good though. If we feel great about wide receiver, great about D line, uh, pretty good to very good about quarterback corner and tight end. I mean, first off, that's, Three uh, three positions on your offense and arguably your two most important positions on defense. And then we got some question marks, O-line, linebacker, safety, and running back. And it's February, so we got some time to, to figure those out. But just kind of looking at the roster, what, seven months from when they're going to be playing football games? I feel pretty good. Overall, I, yeah. on paper, pre-injury, 
one of the better rosters that they've had in quite a while. Yeah. Uh, so it's a good place to be. Uh, and yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll leave it there. It's a bit of a longer one for us, but Hey, it's been a few weeks. So we know you wanted an, an extra big dose of rice roster talk. So uh, we'll be back sometime soon, probably talking spring practice, but we'll uh, see y'all then and rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.